Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 68 of the Bible in 90 Days. Today we're reviewing Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, and Nahum. You heard that right, four books. We begin with Obadiah, a short book of only 21 verses. It's a prophecy against Edom. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Why would Edom suffer judgment? Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. Edom had failed to come to the rescue, even joined in the plunder, and would be held accountable. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. At the same time, Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. In fact, deliverers would go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Jonah, the next book, is a fascinating story, and I'd highly recommend reading or listening to the entire book when you have the opportunity. Jonah was from Gath Hefer, and his ministry took place at least in part during the reigns of Amaziah in Judah and Jeroboam II in Israel. Although his book only records his ordeal with God, a great fish, and the city of Nineveh, he did utter at least one other prophecy. However, we don't have even that one on record. You can find the reference to it, though, in 2 Kings 14, 23-25. Jonah 1 begins with Jonah being instructed, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its great wickedness has come up before me which he flat out refused to do. Instead, boarding a ship headed for Tarshish. The journey, however, was fraught with trouble, and Jonah finally gave himself up to the des desperate crew fighting for their lives against a vicious storm. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Though reluctant, the men finally tossed him overboard while asking for God's mercy. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. The chapter ends. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah, too, finds the prophet inside the great fish. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. The entire chapter is his prayer to God while alone in the belly of the fish. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. While in the fish, he vowed to sacrifice upon his deliverance. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. In Jonah 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed. Upon reaching the city, he proclaimed, 
Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The king and his people responded. The king himself took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust, and then issued a decree calling for a citywide fast, which also included the animals. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah 4 begins, This seemed very wrong. And he, Jonah, became angry. This entire final chapter contrasts a pouting prophet and a gracious God. In fact, it's God's compassion that angers the bitter prophet. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. God responded, Is it right for you to be angry? God then prepared a little illustration for Jonah, a vine to shade him, which was then killed by a worm, leaving Jonah in the hot, dry wind and blistering sun. Again, Jonah wants to die, angry about the plant. In response, God says, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? And we're on to Micah, the third book in today's episode. Micah was also a contemporary of Isaiah's, and his prophecies concerned both Samaria and Jerusalem. He's mentioned quite positively in Jeremiah 26, and his story seems to have been influential in sparing Jeremiah's life. Micah 1 begins by calling the people to attention, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Because of Samaria's wickedness, God told them, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. The rest of the chapter is a call to mourning. Micah 2 begins with the prophet calling out the injustice in the land and then God declaring disaster on account of it. I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly, for it will be a time of calamity. The next section of Micah calls out the false prophets. If a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. And yet, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob, I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. Micah 3 begins by calling out the leaders. Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel. Should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil? And then God turns again to the prophets. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, night will come over you without visions and darkness, without divination. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. The final warning of coming judgment is directed at Israel's leaders who despise justice and distort all that is right. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble, the temple hill, a mound overgrown with thickets. Micah 4 begins, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established and the peoples will stream to it. 
They will learn the way of right and beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. The chapter ends with God declaring that the exiles would one day be gathered. But before then, the people will go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. Micah 5 declares, You, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The chapter continues with the assurance that the remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass. And then that God's hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies and all your foes will be destroyed. The final verses declare that God will take vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Micah 6 calls for witnesses. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. A brief account of God's providence in Israel's history is given, ending with these words. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The final verses of the chapter begin with God questioning his people's injustice. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures? And then, therefore, I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. This is followed by a list of more specific consequences. Micah 7, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, begins with a lament for the moral condition of the people. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Then Micah declares, but as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. And yet, there was hope for the future. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. The chapter and book ends with a final section that begins. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hands over their mouths and their ears will become deaf. And the reason for this is answered by a question. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. And now we're on to Nahum, a message directed at the flourishing capital of the Assyrian Empire, Nineveh. Nahum 1, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, begins, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. This is followed by a description of God's greatness. And then this, The Lord is good 
a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. But with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. Nineveh would come to an end and rise no more, and Jacob would be delivered. No more will the wicked invade you. They will be completely destroyed. Nahum, too, alerts the people of Nineveh of an approaching attack while simultaneously assuring that Jacob would be restored. The chapter describes the coming army. They have red shields and are clad in scarlet. At the same time, Nineveh's best forces will stumble on their way. She is pillaged, plundered, stripped. Hearts melt, knees give way, bodies tremble, every face grows pale. I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. Nahum 3 continues the message against Nineveh. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. Many casualties, piles of dead, bodies without number, people stumbling over the corpses. All because of the wanton lust of a prostitute, alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved nations by her prostitution and peoples by her witchcraft. All who see you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is in ruins. Who will mourn for her? Where can I find anyone to comfort you? The chapter continues with the prophet warning of the coming disaster, ending with these words. Nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. All who hear the news about you clap their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? And that's all for today.